0: Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in productivity and career development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and excited to bring you this milestone episode as we have reached number 100 on Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast and the wonderful guests that have joined me and shared their wisdom and experience in the nonprofit sector way back since we started in November of 2019. I wasn't exactly sure where this journey would take us, but it has been a pleasure and a privilege to lead these conversations around topics that I hope are meaningful to you as a nonprofit leader. If you are new to the podcast, however, I'm glad you're here. Hopefully this episode will give you a good feel for the first hundred episodes and what we are trying to do and provide valuable content to help you on your journey to nonprofit leadership. Since this episode is such a good illustration of all of the wonderful guests that have joined me on the podcast, I hope you'll consider sharing it with one other person. It will give us an opportunity to expand our audience and really build a global community focused on nonprofit leadership. Now, since this is a different kind of episode, I was fortunate to have my friend and former guest, Chris Delisio, join me for the conversation. Now, Chris was my guest on episode number 24, and he's the AVP and Executive Director of Principal Gifts at The Ohio State University, but he was able to break away from the Buckeye Nation to actually interview me and allow me to share some of my favorite moments and key takeaways from the first 100 episodes. Not only did I get to lift up some of my favorite moments, but also able to think about a sampling of some of the great advice, the resources, and the leadership lessons that have been so important to the conversations I've had since the beginning. Chris allowed me to expand on three different categories of content that I think you will find helpful as you listen in. Number one, we talked about the four best productivity and management tips that have emerged from these conversations. And we also then talked about the five best leadership topics that emerged through these conversations and ones that I'm sure you will relate to, but uh, will value the opportunity to reflect again. Now, you know we were going to talk about books, as my guests have provided a fantastic collection of recommendations. And Chris and I had some fun with this. We literally did a draft, each bringing uh, ideas to the table, and we picked one after another our top five uh, recommendations, leaving you with ten excellent books for your consideration as a result of this conversation. Well, I hope you'll enjoy this journey back across a year and a half worth of podcast adventure. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode. Again, it is number 100. Just go to the podcast or the news page at patmcdowell.com. And this time in particular, note that we've got two gifts for you, the listener, to commemorate this 100th episode. Uh, Number one, if you go to the link on the show notes page, you'll see a simple application that you just give us your name and email address, and we'll give you, first of all, a self-assessment tool that will help you evaluate your leadership skills and experience. It's an easy document to manage, but I think it will be valuable for you as you ponder where you are on the path to nonprofit leadership. And while you're on the form. All you have to do is click another button and you can be eligible for a free spot in one of our next two mastermind cohorts. If you do it by May 1st of 2021, you will be eligible for a spot in the summer of 2021 cohort, or if you complete the simple application by August 20th, you'll be eligible for that free spot in the fall of 2021 cohort of the mastermind program. If you're not familiar with the Mastermind program, make sure you go to the show notes as well. You'll have links to more information, including our FAQ page, which should answer any question you might have. Without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Chris D'Elisio and hear some of the greatest hits from the first 100 episodes of Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. Chris, thank you for being the MC on this milestone episode of Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership. You were a fantastic guest back at number 24, I think it was, leadership for the three phases of your nonprofit career. And uh, delighted to have you back 75 episodes later.
1: Thank you, Patton, And congratulations, truly, on 100 episodes. It's quite a milestone. I'm really honored and glad to be part of this conversation. Seems like we were doing my episode just the other day. So it, it's been fun to watch your journey uh, in those last 75 since then. If you wanna start off by just a, a few special ways you're gonna uh, celebrate this 100th uh, episode.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk about some of the takeaways that I think our listeners will enjoy and hopefully will remind them of episodes they may wanna go back and check out, including yours. But as a way to kind of highlight this episode and the podcast in general, we are gonna offer a free tool that may be interesting to our listeners. It's a a leadership assessment tool. Uh, In fact, it highlights what I believe are the 10 key skills and experiences nonprofit leaders need to focus on. And so if you're interested in that, make sure you go to the show notes and just give us your email address and we'll send a free copy for you to ponder and maybe use as a journaling exercise really. And also, I'm excited to share that we're going to give two free registrations, one each in our summer and our fall cohort of the Mastermind program. That has been a really well-received program. And if you're interested in that, just make sure you fill out a quick little form and you'll be eligible for a drawing that we'll do May 1st. So if you're listening to this after May 1, 2021, you'll need to wait for the next uh, opportunity. But those of you listening now, and as it is released, there will be an opportunity to get involved in the mastermind.
1: You know, Pat. I, I, there's someone I know who uh, is attending your mastermind and, and he has been thoroughly impressed and it's really had him in a very positive way, kind of rethink some of the fundamentals in his career and, and, and his life and, and what his career aspirations are. Uh, I'm really interested from your perspective, uh, why do you think masterminds has been so well received?
0: That's interesting. And I think you and I would agree that nonprofit leaders, I think by their nature, lifelong learners. And of course, the last year has brought all of us into a state of reflection on our careers even more. So I think that's part of it. And everyone that we've had in the first two cohorts are individuals who like to coach, but also like to be coached. And that's exactly the environment I'm hoping to create, you know, put eight talented and motivated leaders together and good things happen. So for those interested, I hope they'll just check out the FAQ page on our website. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody that is interested in learning more uh, because it has been powerful. And I guess um grateful for your colleague from the Ohio State University that's joined the latest cohort. Patrick Lynch is a wonderful participant and a great example of the kind of leader we're trying to attract. One final commercial there, Chris. Uh, I did an episode number 72 on the value of masterminds because I think you've been involved in programs like that, as have I, and I really do think there's value in that type of opportunity.
1: You know, the value is that the cohort, as much as what you learn, it's that cohort and, and the you know, people you can call, email, text, whatever form of communication, and really lean on when when you have some challenges in your career uh, that that you want an outside perspective. So as, as we think back on a hundred episodes, um, you first began this in November of nineteen, um, and I know you're going to reference a lot of those episodes along the way. Probably mine, you know, being one of your most favorite, <laughs> um, and, and and they'll be uh, you know in the show notes uh, is a phrase that I know you've said a lot. It's probably the first time I've said it. Um, but is there anything else that you want to talk about there?
0: Well, no, I think you said it perfectly that I want, uh, I am going to drop a lot of names that deserve. And frankly, I wish I could drop every name from the first hundred episodes. I'm going to do as many as I can, but I do hope our listeners will check out the show notes because we'll put a compilation together uh, for this episode, which in turn will take people directly to episodes that maybe will pique their interest.
1: So uh, probably the first question, why'd you start this podcast?
0: Glad you asked it, Chris. Let me start with some podcast trivia. In fact, uh, it's interesting. I was looking back at the first hundred. You know, we started this on National Philanthropy Day in 2019. It's celebrated here in Charlotte, um, November 21st, 2019, to be exact. And that seemed symbolically appropriate. And that's what literally led to a Thursday weekly schedule, uh, just because National Philanthropy Day was scheduled uh, on that Thursday in November of 19. But, you know, like you, Chris, I'm a fan of audio content. Uh, I love Audible and books on tape and have gotten into podcasts. And I thought, you know what, Maybe the podcast will be a way to differentiate the content our firm is creating in addition to what we put on the website, you know, in our blog posts. And and while I'm proud of the work we've done here in the Southeast over the last 12 years, I wanted to expand the community. And I thought this kind of audio platform would be the way to expand and maybe utilize the network that I had around the country and even around the world. get good people on the show and ask them the questions that I think listeners like me and you would ask somebody uh, if you had a chance to talk to a nonprofit leader. Now, of course, four months after we started, the whole world changed. And I think that made audio content even more valuable.
1: Yeah, I I chuckled a little bit when you referenced uh, books on tape. I'm sure some people who are listening to this may have to Google what books on tape are. (laughs) Uh, But when we think about podcasting, um, what did what you enjoy enjoyed most about podcasting? Uh,
0: I love the connections it has. In fact, allowed me to make. You know, the goal was to kind of expand the network, and so it has been so much fun to talk to people not only around the United States but around the world. And in that point in particular, you know, I think about Mike Smith or Chris Carney in Spain or Anna Gully in Canada, Andrew Hollow in Australia, Martin Drake in England. That's my current international all-star team. It's fascinating to hear their global perspectives, but it's also reassuring to hear some of the issues around the world are so applicable to local nonprofit leadership. You know, there's just some things that are relevant everywhere, and so it's been it's been refreshing and reassuring to hear that. Um, so I've loved the partnerships that have started because of these connections. Uh, I guess my wife Cindy would probably say that I like to talk, and so maybe that's something I've enjoyed about podcasting. But you know something else, Chris, I would say it's made me, I hope, a more effective conversationalist. I like the art and the science of the interview. You know, I have to be a good listener. I have to speak with precision and I have to do my homework. And it occurred to me, that's something we as nonprofit leaders should be doing anyway. And so maybe that's another reason that I've uh, enjoyed this work.
1: Yeah, I agree. And good listening is a easy skill to say out loud that you need to become a good listener and really hard to actually do. Uh, so I, I think that's maybe an unintended benefit of of what you've what your journey has helped you. Um, so now let's let's talk a little bit more. Let's kind of narrow down a little bit more about the actual uh, kind of purpose and focus of of your podcast. What are some of the best lessons you've learned from your guests? And then kind of second, Uh, any new resources that your guests have brought to you about this topic.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and, uh, yeah, you and I have talked about before the productivity element. And of course, it's not just kind of rote productivity tips. That's not really the intent of this podcast. But it's fascinating for me to talk to nonprofit leaders who, you know, the success is easily visible on the surface. But I love when I'm able to talk to them and say, all right, let me learn more how you do this because nonprofit leaders do incredible work often with limited resources, limited staff and time. And, and of course, for the last year, their work has been done during a pandemic. And so it was fun to explore these productivity tips and tricks, given all of the circumstances that most of our listeners have to deal with as well.
1: Absolutely. I think the volume of information we all deal with it feels like has increased in the in the uh, pandemic. I think you know there's just more emails, more podcasts, I think replacing other in-person meetings when you actually would have spoken with someone instead of it being in a different content
0: exactly um,
1: what what have been some of your favorite suggestions on that topic?
0: yeah it, it's I'm glad you bring that up because I, as I went back through the episodes, there are four key takeaways. That I'm uh, a lot of guests mentioned, and these are things that I'm going to take out of the pandemic. You know, they weren't just relevant to the pandemic state, although maybe they originated Mm -hmm. there. But number one, it was reassuring to hear from so many guests the importance of self care. And again, these are leaders who can dictate how their uh, calendar operates and how their routines are. But the sensitivity to taking care of yourself, to walking, to reading more, journaling, meditation. You know, I talk a lot about in our mastermind group, the big three, your diet, your sleep, your exercise. You know, if those things are struggling, your productivity is never going to uh, be much success. And so it was definitely something that was a reinforcement, you know, in terms of that self-care um, but Chris, you've talked about that too. We, you know, we don't have the buffers, we don't have the breaks, and I wonder if that's something you've had to address as well.
1: Absolutely, I think that's important for all of us to think about and really highlight what we're going to keep with us once the pandemic's behind us. Uh, but specifically about your your question, uh, I think two things. One, uh, you know, I, I don't have a commute now, so we've been working from home like most people for last year or so. I've had the ability to exercise more than I did instead of being in the car for whatever time it would take in the morning and evening, typically one of those times every day I'm, I'm, I'm exercising, which to me is great. Yep. Uh, and then there seems to just be a little bit more time on the weekends. Cause we're not running here or running there or doing things as much, you know, as we used to, or not at all for, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. not at all for most of this. Uh, but you know, I just did it this weekend. Like, Now I'll walk places. Like I I walked to the library yesterday, our library in town to return a book. Before I would've jumped in the car, ran up there, would've been five minutes, whatever, and went somewhere else. Now I'm like, I I got not too much else to do on a Saturday. I'm gonna walk up to the library, return my book and walk home. And it was a two hour walk. So another example of maybe uh, more exercise, but also just, it feels like in some way we have more time because there's less pressures to do things.
0: Uh, That's such a good point and a silver lining, perhaps, in this, uh, you know, where the world has forced us to slow down and maybe approach things differently. And that, again, was great to hear and reassuring, especially during the pandemic, the isolation we all felt. For me, hearing that from these guests that I admire and respect was powerful and important. Um, You know, a second thing that came up a lot, maybe related to our time was a more focused effort to calendar manage. Uh, Time blocking was a phrase used a lot by our guests Um, to avoid what I think the danger of working from home was, which is nonstop Zooms. And so more conversations about how we break up meetings, how we tighten meetings and not just kind of wear our teams out with extended uh, stationary meetings. In fact, you know, one of the most popular episodes we had, Chris, was my colleague Lee Williams, who is a fantastic colleague and has studied meeting effectiveness. Her episode number 59 is one of the most popular we've ever had because she talks about how to create dynamic meetings, even in a virtual setting. And so I think it's been really well received because organizations realize even after we come out of the pandemic, you're still going to likely be using this newfound skill of Zoom, your board members have got it now, your donors are more comfortable with it, and so we as nonprofit leaders I think have to uh, adapt and uh, you know modify our routines accordingly.
1: Yeah, I I I couldn't agree more. I mean, both from just the the intentionality of of looking at your calendar and blocking time for yourself either personally or professionally is something I've learned over my career that I need to do more of. I need to Kind of manage my calendar better, or others will manage it for me. And then meetings, yeah, I'm still struggling a little bit to make Zoom meetings as uh, exciting. Price people who have to be in there with me
0: would like them to be,
1: <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's we're all learning and continue to learn through this. So hopefully, we're getting better there.
0: I think so, and that to me was a takeaway that. You know, I, I never had anyone, despite the success of many of the guests, if not all of them, they were just rock stars, but it was also reassuring that none of them said, you know, I've got it figured out. And of course they haven't. And we all continue to learn. And that was, uh, I hope, uh, a bit of reassurance to our listeners. You know, a, a third concept, Chris, that came up more than once, I couldn't help but laugh because you and I talked about this book 15 years ago, was Brian Tracy's Eat That Frog. And, and that uh, somewhat gross analogy of actually eating a frog representing uh, a prioritization to your kind of organizational method. Uh, and I've heard more and more guests are intentionally looking at the night before, what are the most important thing or things I need to get accomplished the next day and jumping on them. And uh, I've, love the concept. I have not always succeeded. I find myself, you know, getting into the administrivia of email and other things in the morning. And, but I did hear more often than not, Chris, people saying, you know what, I've become more focused and productive because of that eat that frog concept.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, when I do it, I think like you, I don't do it all the time or as much as I should. But when I do it, and tackle whatever whatever's most important on my to-do list first thing in the morning or early in the morning. I just feel better during the day because you've you've already accomplished your biggest goal for the day, and then everything else you accomplish after that, it's kind of like a bonus. So, uh,
0: there was a similar conversation several times with, you know, how do we, despite the advantages of technology, unplugging. And it's kind of like you said, when you could get in the car and drive to the library, you walked and you could, you know, listen or scroll your feed on your phone. Do you actually read a book or write in a journal? And I was encouraged to hear more of our leaders talk about those types of activities. In other words, embracing the analog and not necessarily always going for the digital. And that to me also uh, helps us in our productivity. You know, one final point that I found particularly helpful in productivity was a, a ritual around a weekly review, and, and it seems obvious in many ways, but I found a lot of nonprofit leaders, while they have enormous to-do lists, they don't necessarily have a method to prioritize and assure the right things are getting done, and, and so that's been a area of focus for me personally. I've made it into a Saturday morning routine that allows me to look back one week and look forward one week. But it's amazing how many things that I avoid falling through the cracks because of a ritual that I think assures greater productivity. But have you found any similar rituals or routines help you do the same?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am a, a to-do uh, list keeper and I, I do, I do list them when it's originally created from most important yeah, you know, or most urgent or what i need to tackle first down but then it gets a little messy as the week takes on and let's continue it though and let's switch maybe the topic from productivity to career advice yeah it's been a lot of great uh, uh, lessons learned in your podcast that people have shared about their careers how they got to their point and then thinking kind of in the future
0: about their careers
1: uh, any most memorable uh, items there you want to share
0: yeah. And of course, I couldn't resist the list, Chris. I got five yeah. <laughs> and and I'm excited about this. And of course, that's reflects the excitement I've had for the podcast in general and the guests that I've been fortunate to to have. Um, number one, the value of mentors or coaches, however term you would use. And I know there are differences, but I'll use for the sake of this countdown. The value of mentors was lifted up over and over and over you know, whether you're a 40-year veteran in the field like Bob Carter or the ultimate young professional like Camber Parker, um, they all talk about the value of mentors and having those relationships that are there for you at critical junctures in your journey. You know, David Malloy talked about uh, mentors and other advice that he got that literally encouraged he and his young family to move from North Carolina to California to lead a foundation. And Elizabeth Hausler talked about from early advice from her father and others along the way to build a global nonprofit like it's called Build Change. Uh, and it's just fantastic. And, and it just reinforced, Chris, I know something you believe strongly in as well.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I would not have uh, the success I've had or the kind of be where I am in, in my career uh, without the help of mentors. Yourself, Fenton, is one of them. Uh, and and uh, uh quite a few others whether they're official mentors uh someone that just pointed you in the right direction once uh kind of in your career that helps you get going um and i'm i'm always uh looking for others uh to kind of help me in this mentor field uh and and, and then i try to pass it on right i think we all kind of owe it to the to the profession um and just to, to life to kind of give back in a lot of different ways and, and i'll Typically, I'll, I think I always try to find time if anyone wants to reach out to me and talk about their career, kind of get my my advice, uh, I'm always happy to do it.
0: Well, and you, you lifted it up in your episode, of course, Chris, and it's fantastic. And I think I'll repeat a phrase that I said early on. I think the most successful nonprofit leaders like to coach and they like to be coached. And it's clear that even uh, leaders that I spoke with, it really could not necessarily have to continue to be coached. You know, they've arrived, but of course, even those that are most successful continue to value uh, that input from coaches. Um, You know, the second thing, Chris, I lift up, uh, it won't be a surprise, but uh, the importance of lifelong learning. And there were so many good takeaways from episodes. You know, when I think about Rhett Mabry, the president of the Duke Endowment, this is a guy running a $4 billion charitable entity. And he was talking about the importance of reading biographies and how he has gleaned leadership lessons from that kind of lifelong learning and reading. So obviously you and I are big on the books. So it was fun to hear a lot of our guests lift up the impact of reading in particular. You know, Ben Moeller and Gail Bauer both talked about reading outside of the sector, which I thought was interesting that a nonprofit leader should be looking for ways, not just reading the fundraising books and the nonprofit management books, but they both lifted up The Artist's Way as a book that talks about creativity and how that is important to them and their team. Gosh, Clay Hodges talked about the importance of writing, different learnings around different styles of writing. Tina Postel talked about uh, you know, her insecurities early on in finance and budget and how she built a curriculum, literally, uh, to help her understand finance and accounting even better.
1: I actually read The Artist's Way, and I'm not the most creative person in the world, but it was a really an interesting, it, it has uh, gotten me to think a little different about creativity and, and uh, uh, kind of journaling and writing uh, that, that helps. Uh, I think all of us, and I'm, I'm starting to do that a little bit more, uh, but as a book, you know, I, I I heard it on, no offense, but I do listen to other podcasts, so I heard it on another <laughs> podcast, not not yours, but, uh, it, and I never would have picked it up, or I, I didn't even know about it, I wouldn't even have checked it out from the library if uh, if I hadn't heard it on someone else's podcast, And it, it was a, you know, it's a professional development type podcast, so always continue to learn, you'll never know what you'll stumble across.
0: That's such a good point. And again, delighted that you're listening. Again, I would say a lot of our listeners are relatively new to the podcast game, and I'm going to lift up. You know, I was fortunate, Chris, to uh, early on, one of the things I wanted to mention to you is that the podcast has allowed me to uh, interface with other podcasters in the nonprofit space. In fact, I've already been able to swap a few episodes with Jason Lewis at the Fundraising Talent Podcast is fantastic. Dolph Goldenberg does the Successful Nonprofits Podcast, Jenny Hargrave and her great show, it's called the Nonprofit Jenny Show. But I hope I can be a good advocate for the nonprofit podcast space. Of course, I want people to listen to this podcast, but there's some great episodes out there across lots of programs. So I hope some of our listeners will take it a point to to you know consume content through these different channels. Um, you know, there were a couple of things. That I guess we've talked about the importance of lifelong learning, and just to finish that, Chris. Um, so many of our guests were willing to be vulnerable and talk about the importance of overcoming adversity. I still remember Michael Ward's comments about the, the challenges he's faced, the losses he's endured professionally. And then this guy has now gone out and, and secured a $28 million gift for NC State. So there's happy endings sometimes, but I think it's important to note that there is also pain and your ability as a leader to to deal with adversity. You know, Allison Singer talked about it as she built the Autism Science Foundation. And oh my gosh, Curtis Drafton's story still is one of my favorite of all 100 episodes. This is a guy that served two tours of duty in the Middle East, lost his fiance to cancer when he got back. I mean, talk about the lowest of lows but this guy has turned it around and now is leading a remarkable nonprofit called the you know U.S. Veterans Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I remember
1: listening to that one specifically. You're right. His story and his courage and the positive nature he has in life is inspiring.
0: You talked about in your episode, Chris, and it leads to the third kind of area of lessons learned. I, I love how many of my guests have talked about the distinct stages of leadership. And of course, I'm working on a program, you know, I call it the Seven Steps uh, along the path to nonprofit leadership. Your episode broke down, I thought in a wonderful way, the three phases of leadership development. Um, Jay Dowd talked about phases of kind of when you're starting your career and you get to the middle and how do you move up the ladder? And then once you're at the, quote, pinnacle of leadership, what are the the, the learnings you need? What kind of guidance, what resources, And I think that's really helpful to our listeners to think about where they are on the path to nonprofit leadership, but also being more sensitive to those that work with and for you, because we're all on a different part of the path. And that might affect the coaching, the guidance, the resources that you might offer.
1: Yeah, agreed. And, and, um, you know, everyone's path and journey and ladder is different, right? So you, you have to try to understand where they are where they want to be and then make it personal to them as you're as you're talking about in their career that's why I was just talking with someone this past week they want to get a half hour with me to talk about their career and I, I always try to start with well, where do you want to be and then right, let's talk right. about how you can get there uh and if they don't know where they want to be that's great then let's talk about just you know what's of interest or what what do you think you need next in your career um so I, I really like those conversations.
0: I agree, and and I I hope that you and I both are encouraging that kind of discussion because I think a lot of nonprofit leaders have a vague sense of, well, I, you know, I just I want to I want to lead, I want to manage, uh, I want to be at the top, whatever that ladder is. But I don't think there's clarity sometimes. It's one of the first steps, I think on the path to nonprofit leadership is sharpening that vision, and it often happens in conversations with people like you. And, and certainly I remember Catherine Lambert talked about it as she described her career journey in episode number 17, um, Tiffany Capers also had some great perspective, not only on her journey, but how she's hired others. And, and frankly, Chris, some of the same things you said, she was analyzing where people are, where they're coming from to, I think, make a more effective hire.
1: That's great, Pat. You got anything else on your list?
0: Two more quick ones here on the the takeaways. Number one, or this would be number four, I guess, on our top five okay. here. The importance of culture. Okay. Some of the most popular episodes of the hundred. And this was interesting to me because I I didn't really know. And I'm always curious what topics will most resonate with nonprofit leaders. But Michelle Hamilton, Episode number six, one of the earliest episodes about building a positive culture at your nonprofit, Despo, number 27, again, one of the most all-time popular episodes, was around culture, which is a somewhat intangible aspect, but nonprofit leaders have to build it. Sally Loftus talked about how to build uh, a positive culture despite some of the compensation issues our sector deals with. And then we had a number of really good conversations about the merging of for-profit and nonprofit cultures. And Joanne Beam, Will Jones, Kristen Beck, and Tina Admonds all came from the for-profit sector, and then realized that there are some things you need to bring with you from the for-profit sector, but you also have to blend it with the nonprofit culture as well. And so. I'm convinced that's a takeaway nonprofit leaders need to think about, as you said, Chris, because it's so important to build that culture at your organization.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, I read this somewhere and I, I don't know where I read it, but if, if as a leader, if you're not, so, your organization is going to have a culture. So whether you're, you're proactively trying to build a positive culture or you don't think culture is important, then, then that's going to be the culture in your organization. So every organization has one, the best ones have intentionality about building a culture that the leader wants, that the group wants, that's going to do the best and make the b- biggest impact for that organization.
0: And you're right. Are you going to be proactive as a leader or are you going to be reactive? And speaking of reactive um, and something that many nonprofit leaders have been, was a headline of 2020 in every aspect of our world, which is issues of race and equity. And it was certainly profound for me as a white male that I had a lot to learn. And so I I cannot thank enough some of the guests. And we had a host of guests who spoke to these issues. Uh, I think about Valerie Williams talked about issues of race on our culture, but also within organizations and the impact on mental health and Valada Fullwood talked about the disparities in the world of philanthropy, um, you know, largely white-driven philanthropy, um, not being inclusive of the communities of color they're trying to serve. And so, lots of learnings there for me in particular. Anna Gully talked about how do you incorporate equity into your strategic planning. You know, it's one thing to make a statement about equity and diversity and all that. But how many organizations are really putting it to the test? And I couldn't help but come away with that because Kishana Palmer and other guests said, yeah, um, you may think you're making progress by making statements, but you're really not. And it was so important for me and I think many of us to listen to leaders like her. And you know, one more that comes to mind is Jim Taylor the fantastic resource that he brings from the board source organization. But he made a stark reminder for all of us that uh, nonprofit boards of directors are still largely white and male. We got a lot of work to do. And that's, Chris, of course, something I'm hoping to bring these kind of conversations back to the podcast when we talk about the next hundred.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I think all of us, or a lot of us, have really refocused our effort on diversity, equity, inclusion in a lot of different ways. And you know, I've just started a, a new book called Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Advancement. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's been eye-opening to me and some of the same themes that you've uh, highlighted in, in your uh, episodes.
0: Yeah, we still got a lot of work to do. And yes. again, hopefully, we'll have some good conversations on this podcast about exactly that.
1: All right. So probably not a surprise for a lot of people. Um, the next topic is about books. Yeah. Since we both like sports, what if we do it like the draft and you get the first pick maybe since you're the, while I'm hosting, you're the official <laughs> host here.
0: I like it. All right. So we each get to pick five books on our team. I guess that would be a basketball analogy, wouldn't it? We have a starting yeah. five. Uh, you and I can't pick the same books then. And but yeah. we're going to leave our listeners with 10 really good ones. I have no doubt. So, all right, I get the top pick. I'm, I'm going to go with one that multiple guests lifted up, which is The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins. I still find it a fascinating um, and practical book around starting a leadership position. I've read it more than once as I've moved in my career, and I think it's, it's probably the book I've given as a gift more than any other when someone else starts a new job. Well, that's interesting
1: that you know you, you, you still give it out. Uh, as as a gift now. Uh, I think it, it really does talk about the importance of that book. I, I have read that one as well. Uh, not a bad first first round or first pick. <laughs> My top book is it's called On Leadership by John Gardner, maybe the best book I've read on leadership. And I think uh, John Gardner is just a, a really uh, unbelievable person. And he has some real practical, real life leadership ideas, along with some just general philosophical ones.
0: In fact, I know you've recommended before and I need to, I've got it on my list, but um, obviously that's high praise given all the books you've read. If you put that at the top, Uh, John Gardner's on leadership. All right. So he's off the board. Um, I'm going to go with my second pick, Ibram Kendi's How to Be an um, Anti-Racist was appropriate for this year um, as someone that has a lot to learn. You know, I read several uh, in this space, "White Fragility," "The Color of Law." I would also lift up for many of us, particularly in the white community, that need and want to learn more. But Kendi's book was uh, very thought-provoking, both from his personal perspective, but of course, he's a fantastic and knowledgeable researcher, and it helped me understand a lot better.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I read uh, "White Fragility" and just couldn't. Uh, it really, really. Uh kind of changed a lot of uh, the way I, I I think about life or th- had thought about life. Um, so just fascinating books. Um, I think moving on to to my uh, number two, uh, it's called Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter uh, by Liz Wiseman. And uh, she just did a fascinating book again. And it's, it's really, you know, talk about, uh, the the goal I think the goal of leadership is is that the more you can make others better leaders in your organization, um, the the better that your organization is going to be. And again, in a nonprofit world, that means the more impact you're going to have on the on the clients and the people and, and your mission. Um, so the best leaders make other leaders better. Um, and, and she she really has some great points and great information in that book.
0: Love it. Again, one I need to add to my list, and I hope our listeners are listening closely. We'll, of course, put all 10 of these in the show notes for those that are looking for their summer reading. When we can finally get out, whether it's a beach trip or mountain trip or wherever you're going this summer, I bet everybody listening is excited to get out of the house, uh, take something good to read. We're going to give you some good ones to read. Um, I'll follow yours, Chris. My third pick Doris Kearns Goodwin, Leadership in Turbulent Times. Speaking of biography, Um, loved it. She featured four presidents, um, Lyndon Johnson, Lincoln, uh, Franklin, and Teddy Roosevelt were the four presidents she profiled. She's done extensive research. But as I mentioned earlier, and many of our guests have shared, every one of them had incredible adversity, overcame it. And to me, that it was just very applicable to nonprofit leadership, frankly, leadership in any sense. It's really hard to uh say who's getting the better
1: draft picks here. All, <laughs> I, think books, I think I'm winning. I think I'm winning so far,
0: right?
1: <laughs> all, all these books are just uh, uh tremendous. Um my 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 third pick here is Mindset by Carol Dweck. I, I think I did reference it on my uh podcast with you, but it's one of my kind of hallmarks when I talk to people uh about what you know what I think makes people success, or they ask me how to be a good development officer or good whatever, you know, in their careers, it's the growth mindset that leads into everything that your podcast talks about. It's such a good book.
0: Mindset was lifted up several times and and you're killing me because that was the top of my draft board. So you have knocked Carol Dweck off and added her to your roster. I'm going to have to lift up then a guest, Andrew Hollow. He was episode number 40, fantastic book called from impossible to possible. And he offered it. In fact, uh, as part of his appearance on the podcast. So, Chris, I'm going to add my Australian friend, Andrew, to this roster and his book, From Impossible to Possible.
1: That's awesome. My next pick has a, maybe a touch of recency bias to it because I just finished it. But it's, it's Adam Grant, who maybe people know has written a few books, and every book he writes is great. But his most recent one, Think Again, really focuses on having us rethink what we believe in you know, he talks about how you should stop and, and think about your your career at different points, which I know is a the theme of of your uh, podcast.
0: That's so important. And it, I mean, it reinforces what you and I both have said that why nonprofit leaders, I think, have to get out of this silo sometimes that your work forces you in. And one way to get out is to read and to network and Obviously, I hope you and I are giving them some ideas for new reading that they can expand their horizons and and revisit topics that maybe they thought were secure in their own head. I'm going to add my fifth starter. Um, you and I both were fans of Keith Ferrazzi's work, Never Eat Alone. I think one of the best books in terms of professional networking. Um, and But I'm going to add his latest book called Leading Without Authority. And it speaks directly to many nonprofit professionals I talk to that are on the way up, but sometimes frustrated that they don't have the, quote, authority to actually uh, assert leadership. And Keith would suggest, yeah, you do. There are ways that you can lead without the title, without that specific authority granted by the organization. And so that's why I would lift that up and add it to my top five roster.
1: The comments are the theme there. Of you know, there's organizational leadership, right? You're you're at the top of the org chart, and thus people call you a leader, uh, whether one is or not. From a kind of more uh, what we talk about, what leadership is. Uh, but then there's the influence. Uh, you know, regardless of where you're on the org chart, can you have a positive influence in a genuine way that people look at you as a leader? And I think that that skill, leading without authority, you know, to use that title is so important really regardless of where you are in the org chart in the long term for you just to lead because you are the ceo or you're the avp or whatever your title is you still need to influence people and one of the definitions of leaders is that you have people who follow
0: you couldn't agree more great roster chris um any others I guess we've covered our top ten now. Is that right? Well, I, I, I
1: have I have still one more have one more pick, right? Yeah. 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 So, so mine is, is a little bit more practical about the profession. It's called the Chief Development Officer by Ron Schiller, and it really, it's a, again a great book. Talks about if one wants to aspire to be, you know, the the, the vice president for development at a university, or the head fundraiser, or or, or executive director of a nonprofit. Really goes into detail about what that job is and isn't. And there's a great quote that said, Yeah, it's 100% fundraising and 100% everything else, right? (laughs) Right. Um, So uh, it's a truly like professional, practical development book that uh, I read recently.
0: I feel really impressed with the range of books our guests have given us, including you, Chris, over the first 100 episodes. There have been the very specific, you know, fundraising tactics. Other leadership-oriented ones, but there have been ones of a great variety. So I'm delighted that the the show has allowed us to lift up a lot of great reads, and of course we feature them with every episode's show notes. I also did an episode, I think it was number 12, um, where I lifted up seven of the most popular professional development books that we've come across. So that may be of interest to our listeners as well.
1: So let's let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, and look a little bit behind the scenes. So my first question here is about the guests. You know, how do you find them? Are you always looking for them? And then how do you prepare them for the sessions?
0: That's a good question. Taking the first one first. Um, I'm always looking for a good guest. And one thing the network of the first hundred episodes has established have been great allies in finding like-minded or similarly talented, experienced leaders. So I'm I'm still being particular. I, I'm getting more inquiries from folks that are making recommendations, but I, I want to maintain what I believe is a quality standard of what guests are going to be most relevant to my nonprofit listener, the leader who wants takeaways. And so um, I'm open to suggestion. I guess would be the way I'd answer it, but I'm not going to just let anyone on the show because I know that is you know the first step toward a downfall if you're not consistent to the core purpose, which is practical takeaways for nonprofit leaders. And I have conversations with each one. So there's the show you listen to, but there's probably an equal amount of time of conversation between me and the guests so that we can be clear and effective in delivering what is such good content.
1: Who does all the editing for all your podcasts?
0: Well, Chris, you think I—you didn't think I did, did you? I'm sure you uh, had no, no doubt. <laughs> and 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 fortunately, no one else uh, would believe that anyway. Uh, I'm very fortunate that my daughter Lauren is the producer and engineer of every single episode. Uh, I was fortunate when she graduated from Southern Cal a couple of years ago that she joined our team, and this podcast simply wouldn't happen if she hadn't been behind it. And and so she does the thankless work behind the scenes, engineering every episode, doing the collateral media, the show notes. Uh, It's been a really cool father-daughter project. So I'm proud of the work she has done and I've uh, really enjoyed it. Now, I don't know how much she enjoys having to listen to my voice (laughs) for endless hours, Um, but hopefully the final product is one that she's proud of as well.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, just a little shout out to Lauren. I've known her for a long time, and it's awesome that that she's uh, one to see the, the person she's become, and then also that she's helping you uh, during this process. I, I do have to imagine that, that it's very fun for you to partner with your daughter like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Um,
1: yeah, you know, sometimes I, when I watch a movie, I always stay to the end, hoping there'll be bloopers. Uh, have to think there might have been one or two bloopers along the way when you're doing a hundred of these episodes.
0: Yes. And all right, let me start with a couple of things. One, I think I've heard every yard instrument known to man in the background of uh, conversations. Again, thanks to Lauren, we're able to edit most of that out. I've also heard every child, every pet, and just about every noise that a computer or a phone could make. Um, so, speaking of her job being complicated, Thankfully, the final product doesn't reflect all of that fun noise in the background, but I've had cats meowing, um, I've had you know phones ringing. I've actually had a guest who lost their connection because their wife started the car and the phone they were using switched over to the car phone. And so it was a hilarious moment, really. Uh, I don't think it was fun for the wife or the guest uh, at the time, but uh, it's among the things that can happen Thankfully, that's the beauty of recorded uh, media like the uh, podcast is. But I got to give a shout out to Chris, to Lisa Baxter. Episode number 57, the ultimate blooper was mine, my mistake. We had a wonderful conversation, wonderful episode. I recorded it to the cloud. However, I'm not sure what cloud I recorded it to. That cloud uh, floated away and I had the very uncomfortable conversation with Lisa afterwards, where I thought would be uncomfortable having to tell her that, sorry, Lisa, you did wonderfully. I lost it. Um, but she could not have been nicer. She laughed and said, all right, well, let's do it again. I'll We'll make it even better. And indeed, she did. And episode number 57 is a result of uh, a positive second round uh, after my blooper almost lost it
1: that's a great, great story. Uh, I guess two questions. One, am I still the highest ranked episode for anyone from Ohio? <laughs> uh,
0: yes, I think so. Although okay. Chris Putnam-Walkerly was fantastic and she's running neck and neck with you. So I got to lift her up. She um, is from, I think it's Dublin, Ohio. Uh, yeah. I don't know how far away that is from you in Columbus. Um, But yes, Chris, you remain one of the highest rated Ohio guests I've ever had. Um, And so we'll exclude you from my favorite episode list. But frankly, I got to give a shout out to some of my colleagues. Those guests that were among the first five recorded, Penny Hawkins, I think literally was my first outside guest. She is a wonderful colleague and so I can't thank her enough for volunteering uh, to to join me on a podcast, which at that point was not very clear uh, in its design. But Mike Blackwelder, Michelle Hamilton, Don Jonas, and Shannon Henson, uh, I think I would lift up as among my favorites because they were the early pioneers and did such a wonderful job. That's awesome. All
1: right, moving forward, uh, do you have an ultimate kind of guest list people you aspire to get on?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Of course, you won't be surprised that I'd love to get some of the authors that we are lifting up, you know, ones we just talked about, you know, the Keith Ferrazzi, David Allen, Getting Things Done, one of our favorite productivity books, Brene Brown, Tim Ferriss, Cal Newport. Um, but I, I really want to get more of these authentic and talented nonprofit leaders you know i think about alicia winkler and alan mather they came on to talk about the creative leadership model they're using in chicago at the golden apple foundation or you know a veteran like bob carter down in florida now but working around the world or karen lee in the seattle area um these are the kind of leaders i'm looking for so i guess to an earlier question you asked me chris you know yes i'm open to suggestions but I'm glad to lift up. That's the type of leader I want to talk to. Um, You know, I think about an organization that's meaningful to you and I, we both work for the Special Olympics organization. So Tim Shriver, the son of the founder Eunice Kennedy Shriver uh, would be wonderful to talk to because that organization is one that is so impressive. Uh, I had Mike Smith on another colleague that's worked for Special Olympics around the globe. Um, And I guess if I had some celebrities, sure. I'll take LeBron James. He's doing some really cool things philanthropically back in his hometown of Akron, but frankly, all over the world. And Oprah Winfrey is another that comes to mind. But Chris, I'll always welcome your suggestions as well.
1: Well, if and when you get LeBron James, I I may have to be your co-host on that one.
0: <laughs> I figure you might volunteer for that one. All right. So as we kind of get ready to to close this uh,
1: centennial episode. Uh, What's your vision for the next 100 episodes? What do you want to accomplish?
0: Yeah, uh, great question. Obviously, the kind of the caliber of guests remains the priority. Uh, the show is only as good as the talent that uh, continue to join me. So, for that, I'm grateful. Thought about video. That's one thing I'm pondering whether we do some video clips, record some of these episodes. Uh, I'm not sure if the audience likes to consume content through video as well as audio but we're pondering that. Maybe some short versions. I'm thinking about re- returning to some of uh, the most popular guests and, and maybe uh, where are they now and updating and maybe very targeted or focused conversations uh, because these episodes have been, you know, sometimes 45 minutes to an hour. And so I wonder if there might be an appetite, so to speak, for shorter targeted uh, episodes uh, I want to continue to build some mini series. Uh, Chris, we're working right now on a mini series that will bring national and global funders to the podcast to talk about their perspective. Where are they looking to invest so that our nonprofit leader listeners can learn from that and see where these funders all over the world are giving and what advice they might have. Um, speaking of all over the world, I want to continue to explore conversations with the global community. And so I am looking for guests that can speak to philanthropy and nonprofit leadership in other sectors of the world and within all of the different sectors of the nonprofit community. So those are some of the things, Chris, I'm kind of playing with right now.
1: Well, awesome. I look, you know, maybe I'll be invited back on your 200th episode and and you'll have the Pat McDowell YouTube channel or something that we could, we could do it on.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to dress up and, you know, maybe get cleaned up a little bit more, won't we, for a video performance. Absolutely.
1: Uh, so in, in addition to kind of thinking about the next hundred episodes, are you also thinking about kind of anything else to get your message out there?
0: Uh, you know, these conversations uh, inspire some of the work uh, we're doing as a firm. Um, I love to hear these stories of, of the importance of boards of directors as we're doing work in that space right now, and I'm convinced that that's where a lot of the success is going to come from, nonprofit leaders engaging their boards more effectively. I still think there's lots of opportunities, and I got to give a shout out to several boards we're working with at NC State University right now and organization called Lifespan here in North Carolina, but organizations that are progressive in their thinking, willing to step back and revisit how they do business And I just think that's an attribute that nonprofit leaders need to consider. And, of course, uh, I love to have those conversations and work with organizations. And I guess finally, Chris, the title of this podcast is also the title of the book I'm working on. And I'm hoping to wrap that up very soon.
1: Yeah, Dr. McDowell. So what is the latest on your uh, on your book?
0: Uh, Well, There are seven phases uh, on the path to nonprofit leadership. I feel like it's taken me seven years to get them all on paper, Um, but I'm delighted to report that I'm in the final chapter, literally the end of the manuscript and excited about it because again, these conversations on the podcast have reinforced each of the stages. So I'm hopeful the book will provide a, a helpful and practical guide, just like the podcast, that a nonprofit leader can read and learn and apply to their journey to, uh, you know, more success in the nonprofit space.
1: Well, that's, that's awesome. So thinking about the journey that people are on, do you have any final advice for any of our uh, nonprofit leaders out there?
0: All right. I got one more countdown for you. Couldn't resist. Number one, take care of yourself and your team. Um, despite the virtual nature of our existence and yes, we're coming out of it, but we can all do a better job checking in with our team and engaging them beyond just the to-do lists that also are required. Um, Don't just scroll your feed. Number two, read and write more. Uh, Again, you said it well, Chris, there's something about putting pen to paper that I think activates your brain and provides a therapy that we need just as reading outside of the work requirements is important. Um, more than ever, number three, we need to think about networking strategically, um, get out of the silo that sometimes our work requires. And, you know, what can you do to, to reach out to somebody that's ahead of you on the path, but also to somebody that's behind you on the path. Like you said, Chris, helping someone else helps you sharpen your skill as a coach and a leader. And so I, so I'm glad you lifted it up because it's not just benevolent toward them, but it helps you become a better leader as well. And I guess last but not least, be willing to be coached. The best leaders never arrive. They're constantly getting better. And I'm more convinced of that as I talk to so many of these leaders on the podcast. So coach, but also be willing to be coached. And those are some advice uh, items that I would offer our listeners as we wrap up today.
1: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Patton, I know this has been enjoyable for me and hopefully for you, and most importantly, the the, the many listeners you're going to have on here. And I think I'll end it the way you've ended the first 99. Thanks, Patton, for joining me on the path.
0: Well done, Chris. Thanks for helping me lift up the first hundred. We'll definitely see you again. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did And the opportunity Chris D'Elisio gave me to share some of my favorite moments and hopefully some of the most practical takeaways for you, the listener, whether it is about your management and productivity tips and some of the key leadership topics about which you need to continue to study. And of course, I hope you came away with some great recommendations to add to your wish list the next time you are pondering a good book to read. But most of all, I hope you will check out some of the great interviews that are now part of our podcast episode library. Remember, you can just go to the website, PattonMcDowell.com, go to the podcast page, and you can literally scroll down every single episode. And you'll see the different titles as well as the guests, so you can get right to the content that will be most valuable for you. Now, don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode in particular. Remember, the two free gifts are waiting for you there. Fill out the application at that link. Give us your name and email address, and you'll have immediate access to the leadership self-assessment tool, as well as an opportunity to register for a free spot in either our summer 2021 Mastermind cohort or the fall 2021 cohort, both of which uh, should offer you a fantastic opportunity to interact with seven other talented, motivated nonprofit leaders that can help you on your journey to leadership success. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. We've got all of the primary podcast platforms available on the podcast page for you to Make sure you are fully subscribed for each of these weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday. And stay with us. We have some great episodes already uh, in the planning stage for the next 100. And I hope you will be there with me for each and every one of them. Thanks again for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector and for supporting the fantastic guests that have given their time to these conversations with me. Keep up the good work you're doing in the nonprofit sector for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you this content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time on The Path.